Hello and welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. I'm Cathy Love. I started life as an OT, had a, an amazing, crazy private practice which I sold. And what I do now is help allied health business owners create a business that serves them, the time, the money, the joy that they absolutely deserve. And this is where my idea for the podcast started. What I want to do is to capture how hard allied health business owners in Australia work to achieve their dreams, to support their teams, to create amazing outcomes for their clients. So sit back, beverage of choice, drive safely, walk carefully, however you're listening in, and I hope you absolutely enjoy. Oh, got a very, very exciting guest for everyone listening in to this episode. Super excited to have Dave Jennings with us, CEO of Systemology. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Kathy. I have been looking forward to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's just mess with that idea. Um, I think that we need to give a a really quick intro to to what systemology is because Mm. I don't want anyone to wait for that. But then I think we need to go back and really tap into how you got this stuff happening. So give us a quick overview of systemology then we'll go to back to the history. Mm. So systemology is just a system for systemizing businesses and it solves a very specific problem for a specific person. So the specific person is the business owner who's got a little bit of traction, their business is starting to grow, they've got product to market fit, they've got a clearly identified target audience They might even have some team members around them and they're starting to build that momentum and then they realise that they've built this business around them and they are the bottleneck and all of the different supports and training effectively that they've given to staff or clients is basically to come to them. So they end up just being the the centre cog and then they're finding that 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 means that they're overworked, and they never get to the, the bottom of the work that needs to be done. They can't really step away from the business for more than a day or two without things grinding to a halt. And what we do is we we help them make that transition from um, I it's so uh, dependent on them to make it person independent. And we identify the core processes, like answer the question, if you're going to systemize your business, where do you start? What is the first handful of systems? And we've got a system for doing that. So systemology is a a system for systemizing business. Who would have thought that a book about systems for developing systems could literally be a page turner? What I've never told you, David, is I sat and read it in one hit. Wow. Yes. I've just got a visual. I was on the couch. It was a sunny day. It was the start of 2021, I reckon. Yeah. Flip through it. Flip yeah. through it. It's a very, very cool book, but we'll get to the book. So who is it that wakes up in the morning and decides they're going to write a book about systems, developing systems? How on earth yeah. Look, did you get to that point? If I look back, I've been involved in a lot of different businesses over the years and systems have always been at the core of them. So I first got started in the stock market education space and that was all about trading systems and divining before you even get into the stock market, the rules for you to buy, the rules for you to sell. So there's some early programming of systems there. Uh, I owned a, a rock and roll clothing music store and we tried to franchise that business. We franchised the first 
store and we ended up getting three stores, but the last one we actually franchised. So we went through the process of getting franchise or manuals written and franchisee manuals written. And uh, then I had a digital agency for 10 years. And then there are a lot of little businesses in between and systems always was that bedrock. And if I go back even further, um, my father was a systems engineer. Oh, there you go. It's in the DNA. In the family. So I, I always realized how core they were to, to building business. Like they, they are the, the building blocks. And, and I realized that it was a problem that I struggled with. And when I was looking for solutions, all the books and material that I read, all they really did was they sold me on the case as to why I need systems. But I really struggled to find the book that says, and here's how to do it. Where do yeah. I start? What are the first ones? How do I make it easy? How do I get the team involved? How do I answer some of those common misconceptions people have around systems? And it was clear to me that this was a um, a, a poorly addressed area. And, and part of that is because um, oftentimes business owners are not systems-minded in that they're these creative big-picture thinkers. And because they're in that space, the idea of systems never really appeals to them. So there's not very many visionary creatives who also appreciate the system. So it's almost like I have this intersection of of both. I'm a visionary creative who's fallen in love with not the creation of systems, but I've fallen in love with what systems can deliver. Yeah. And that's the outcomes of good systems. Yes. So then I wrote the book for the business owner and and the Mm. system, really systemology, was to speak to the business owner to say, You might not see yourself as a systems person. Mm -hmm. That's okay. And you might um, think, well, since I'm not a systems person, I can't own a systems-driven business. And then I try and open the eyes to say, well, hang on, that's actually pretty natural and normal that you're not a systems person. And you're probably the worst person in your business to be creating the systems anyway. So I, I show them how to really develop an appreciation for systems and what they can deliver and then give them a pathway for how it can be done where they're not the person writing out bullet points and writing out mm. each system, which which can, you know, it's just not the best. That's use. a heartbreaker. Yeah, for business owners, not the In best. In the use. wrong hands, heartbreaker. Hey, it's Natalie, NACO Consulting's team member, jumping in here quickly to talk about one of our core brand values, connection. That is why we have set up two really easy ways for you to connect with us on another level or find like-minded allied health business owners just like yourself. Join us and our growing community over at the Private Practice Made Perfect Facebook group. This is a vibrant and helpful community that shares some absolute gems to growing your business. Another way is by signing up to our love letter. (laughs) Only we could get away with naming a business newsletter a love letter. So get on in and sign up there so that you don't miss out on any of our events, freebies, new offers, and helpful industry insights that will keep you ahead of the game. Alrighty, let's dive back into the conversation. So I think it was in your last business uh, that you fired yourself. Yes. So the- what was that about? Because that was the tripwire really for so much of this IP yeah. now. Yeah. It was a little bit of a chain reaction. I We had a digital agency and um, a, a, a sister company that sat under that digital agency that was a video production business. That's actually that's right. how I, yeah, I right. came across you, Kathy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had um, Melbourne Video Production and I 
am not a camera person. The only reason we set up that company is because we a lot of people in the digital agency business were saying, oh, can you help us create content? And you guys create good content. Can you do it for me? So we thought, well, let's set up Melbourne Video Production. And I can't operate a camera and I'm not really an editor. So I had to build the business without me in that business. And I remember the first time I went on a shoot with our videographer, we spent the entire car ride with him asking questions like, oh, I hope we emailed the client to let them know know, not to wear checkered shirts and, oh, did we pack the spare battery and have I got everything I needed? And I remembered at the time going, well, we need to create a checklist for you so next time you go on a shoot, you know exactly what to pack. And And ideally someone else does it. Yes. And and so he can focus on what he does best. Mm. And that's what happened. Mm. Six months later, I went out on another shoot. And the discussion we had in the car on the way to the shoot was vastly different because he he had the checklist and all of that stuff was handled. It meant in the car we were talking about, you know, what's the story arc and what does he want to get from the performance from each of the, the different actors and, and people that were going to be in the video. And it just got me to realise even in very creative businesses like video production, um, systems play a really important role. And, and systems actually... Uh, increase the creativity of your team members because it enables all of the stuff that just has to happen. It -hmm. makes sure it happens to an appropriate standard so that the team can then focus on being creative. And Mm -hmm. um, once I had that inside, I I took that learning back to the digital agency, which I initially started and I was the bottleneck, even though I'd had all of the systems training. The business owner being the bottleneck. I know. (laughs) No one ever. I I was kind of like, oh, no, this business is different. Look, I've done, I've systemized the other (laughs) business. Just like my business was different. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone's business is different, not when it comes to systems. You know, it's, it's creative and Google's updating their algorithm and things move too quickly online. This can't be systemized. And I got stuck in my digital agency probably for about, I would say, 10 years, maybe too long. Really, at the start of the business, the business owner is stuck in it and they get everything off the ground. But if you stay past a few years, generally that means you've you've just got into the bad habits and you haven't moved through to that next level. And I got stuck and it wasn't until we I saw the video production business work and I said, hang on, this is such a creative business that changes lots. I can do this for the agency. And then I went through the process. We found out um, we were pregnant with my first son, Nate, and I, th- I thought, I don't want to be too busy. I don't want to be that dad who doesn't have time to walk Nate to school or play catch after school. And I thought to myself, no, nah, um, I need to step out of this business. And that was kind of all came to head at the same time. We had the video business that got me to realize it could be done. And then uh, the the deadline of we're going to be having a child and I I recruited a CEO and and through a period of about nine months, we got the guts of the business systemized where she started taking things over. And then I took about a year off and, and really reassessed things. And I thought to myself, you know, what am I passionate about? I I stepped out from Melbourne SEO and, and Melissa ran it for a good few years before she she actually had to move back to the States. Um, mm. And then that we ended up selling that mm. business. But but my passion had died for that business and I'd fallen in love with um, systemology and, and working with business owners to solve this very specific problem. And that's when I went deep into, you know, how, how can we systemize this? Like what's mm. the system for systemizing a business? 
And I think that's why it's such a page turner uh, because I read it as a business owner and a, a bottleneck at times, not always, but a, a bottleneck too much of the time. And I've had this saying for years that system, good systems are your ticket to freedom. Um, and then what the book gave me was chapter by chapter how to get this stuff not just out of my head but out of everybody else's heads. Um and we absolutely threw everything at it in the last, what are we up to, 15 months or so. So, it's yeah, so I can certainly speak that we have followed the methodology. We've uh, drunk the Kool-Aid and um, have now just completely reworked every single system. If it sits still long enough in our business, it ends up in Asana. Um mm. So that. it's been a pleasure to be able to kind of introduce the the concept to, you know, all of our clients over the while as well. But I want to kind of, I know the, I don't necessarily want to work, we'll get through the core concepts yes. and the, the book and the chapters, but I want to start with the myths. Yes. I want to start with the myths because I just got to the end of the book and thought, right, well, that just sums it up really. Yep. So I haven't got the book here because I'm yeah. not in my office right now, but I know yep. you know this stuff off your top yes. off the top of your head. So let's just get into the myths and kind of get that up front because I reckon there's belief out there. I don't have time to do systems. I don't have anyone to delegate them to. Even if I do them, people won't follow them. Yeah. On and on and on. There's this narrative that goes on that I think prevents a whole lot of people from even kind of getting yeah. this first step into getting and themselves out, really. What I find uh, interesting, the more I've worked with a lot of business owners, a lot of these myths and misconceptions are conclusions that they've come to without even testing it, as yeah. in they've just, they might think in their head, like if we say business systems, a lot of uh, business owners will have a picture in their head of what they think a business system is. And oftentimes it's, you know, the McDonald's big, thick manual that's been written for a 15-year-old kid to take them from nothing to know how to flip a hamburger. Mm. And they think, ah, oh, that's what a systemized business looks like. And they forget that, uh, one, there's a very good chance that you're not running a hamburger business. You're running an allied health business where you've got uh, skilled team members who know how to do things and they come with a certain level of training. So mm. there are certain things that we we don't need to tell them how to suck eggs on or, you know, yep. maybe it can yep. be a higher level framework. So that all of that baggage that someone comes through, then uh, they'll jump to conclusions and they'll mm. say things like, well, we're going to need hundreds of systems to systemize our business. And that immediately feels quite it's overwhelming. Number one. Yes, you don't need hundreds. Number one. When when the reality of it is, uh, we apply the 80-20 rule and we find out what are the critical systems to deliver a core product or service and just start there. And just because you don't systemize something doesn't mean it's going to magically stop happening in your business. Mm. All you're really looking at doing is hammering out a path for the most probable journey that your perfect dream client is going to go we'll through. through and that yep. might be yep. 10 or 15 systems to start with so yep. that that myth we can squash that you're going to need hundreds and you will get enough of a win potentially out of 10 or 15 yep 
Myth number two, the business owner is the only one that can create systems. Yes, and this is the idea and it gets in the way of getting the work done because the business owner will want to make things just right and perfect. And if it's left up to them, what they do is they design the system they the way they would like it to be, not the way that it is. And it's actually infinitely easier and quicker if you find out who currently does this task already on the team to a good enough standard. Let's just capture that and make it version number one. So the myth that the business owner needs to create the systems um, is that the business owner, the, the reality of it is they're usually the worst people on the team to do it <laughs> because they're already busy. They're going to overcomplicate it. They're going to, they don't have enough time. So putting another to-do list item on the business owner's to-do list um, is just going to frustrate everybody. So that, that would be myth number two that we squash. Number three, I found my list. Creating systems is time-consuming. Yes. And again, similarly with this idea of maybe overcooking it, people imagine what they think a system needs to look like and will be, and we can simplify that down. Just capturing what you're currently doing, and it might be next time you get an inbound phone call, maybe you want to have a system for the way that you answer the phone at reception when someone's wanting to book in an appointment. You might start off just recording the next five or 10 of those calls that mm. come in. And it doesn't even have to be a two-way. Like if you want to protect the privacy of your clients, it could just be the receptionist and you hear what they say and you will you can glean. Got it down. Th- there'll be bullets mm. in that. They will start off with a welcome and then they ask, what are you calling up about? And that forms the basis. So this idea that it's time-consuming, the best way to squash that is just go, Let's not go out of our way to create systems. Let's just record what's currently happening as it's happening in the moment. And that can be, you know, a great starting point. And then the the other secret that I talk about in the book for this one is understanding that it's a two-person job. You've got a knowledgeable worker who knows how to do the thing. And then you get a separate documenter. Someone else actually watches the video and pulls the documentation out. And that alone helps to really free it up because you're you're finding a team member with capacity to be your documenter. And you're not saying to your best team members, you need to create the system. Come off task and do all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And they're already busy. So we can squash that one. Systems creation, once you get good at it, it's not time consuming at it's all. It becomes part of businesses as usual. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Number four, you need to invest in expensive and complex software. This one, I the the biggest takeaway here is just understanding that uh, in systems, complexity is actually the enemy. Anytime that you introduce complexity, it creates friction, and it's another reason for a staff member not to do something or not to learn something or I'll get to it later. So the simplest solution, especially when you're getting started, is always the best solution. So if in your head you think, well, let's just save these systems in Google Docs just because I'm getting started, that might be a great place to start just because at the start it's okay to add maybe complexity as you go, but don't start with complexity because it'll get in the way of getting the win. So yeah, the the myth there that you need to invest in expensive or complex software, I would suggest the opposite. Whatever is easiest, yeah, start there. 
Yep. Even if you have systems in place, your team won't follow them. Yes, this is a, a biggie. And, and oftentimes it's really the business owner just projecting. They believe that, well, I'm not going to follow the systems, so my team's not going to follow it. But the truth is a lot of great A players, especially if you recruit with a systems mindset or you project that up front, A players, they actually love systems because it shows them how to win the game. You're saying to them, this is what I want to have done. This is what winning looks like. If you can do this, you're actually going to stand out as a great team member. So there's especially when new people come on board, um, they, they thrive with systems and processes. So um, I think, yeah, the, the, the business owner, if they test that assumption and they find the right people, you'll actually find that the team thrive with systems. Yep. The right ones at the right time. Absolutely. Myth number six, systemology destroys creativity. So, um, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tweak it slightly uh, to go <laughs> systemization destroys uh, creativity. But, okay. I mean, it's the same, same and same. Um, this idea that um, people think that, oh, if we just go back to the story we told earlier, the, the, the idea of the video production business, I, I very clearly found that that is video production is incredibly creative as a business, just like I'm imagining as allied health. You're sitting yeah. down with the doctor and... If you imagine the doctor is about to do their thing, that moment when they check over the patient and they're looking at symptoms and they're drawing on all of their knowledge and then they're making the best recommendations, that you know could be argued as almost like a creative process. They've got all of these inputs in their brain and then they're looking for pattern recognition in the moment and then they're making you know a suggestion. Now, if the doctor has to sit there and worry about oh, did they find sign the release form when they came in? Oh, do I have to worry about rebooking them in and following them up? Like if all of that is handled by a system, the doctor can do their best work because they, they can just be in the moment and focus on the patient rather than living in their head thinking about the admin. So it's, it, mm. it allows team members to do their best work. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's certainly been our experience. And the the last one, number seven, you need to systemize like McDonald's. You kind of spoke to that. Yeah. And the biggest takeaway there is just that McDonald's has been systemizing for 60 years. Don't yeah. look at where McDonald's is today as a, a business that has been applying systems thinking for 60 years. See the output and think, oh, we should look like that. Because I often reference the movie The Founder, which is the story of of Ray Kroc and the McDonald's brothers. And at the start of the movie, uh, they're they're talking about setting up their first McDonald's store and they walk out onto this basketball court and they map out in chalk what the the store is going to look like. And they're saying, oh, we'll put the fryer here. Let's put the cash register here. Let's put the drinks machine over here. Oh, no, no, let's move that round. And it's so raw and that is the version one of (laughs) systems and I I love people to understand that that's where systems start it doesn't start you know as we look at it today where they've got a meticulous you know store set up manual that Mm. details everything within an inch of its life yeah Yeah. Yeah. millimeter of its life you didn't start there yeah so 
So what, thank you, thank you. I love those those myths and absolutely landed when I read it. Let's kind of now go to the front of the book and can you talk us through the systemology, the seven steps? Yeah. Because that's going to show, that's going to throw some light on how you work through to get the systems that are going to make the difference for you in your business. So systemology, it's a seven-stage process and really it answers the question. The very first question everybody asks is where do I start? And then it's how do I do it and what does a system look like and where do I save it? And really I try and in a logical order, step you through that process. So step number one in systemology is define, which is all about identifying the 10 to 15 systems you're going to start with. That's stage number one. Stage number two is a sign. That is all about thinking, well, where does the knowledge exist already? And who can we assign the uh, responsibility or the knowledgeable worker to those tasks that we identified in step number one? Uh, Then step number three is extract. And that's all about how do we make it easy to get out of the heads of the knowledgeable team members? You know, we talked about things like uh, making it a two-person job and you, you have a system for creating systems to make it easy for team members. Um, Then we move into step number four is organizing. That's all about just storing it at a central location where everybody can access it. Just so we move away from this idea, a lot of businesses might have a system here or there, especially in allied health. This Mm -hmm. is extremely common to have, oh, yes, that system is stored on Jenny's computer on a desktop on a computer. Oh, yes, that that person stored that system sitting in a Google Drive or an Office 360 folder over here. Oh, that one's on the front register computer or whatever it is. And the idea of trying to make it central so everybody knows if they've got a question, they know where to go. So that's a lot to do with the organized stage. Um, the, the stage after that is um, the integrate stage. And integrate, uh, which is stage number five, is all about just getting the staff on board. How do we make sure that we empower the right people and how do we overcome resistance and how do we frame it so that the team member sees the benefit to them and they don't just think, oh, you're systemizing my job so I can be replaced or we just want to make sure that they see this as a win for them. And the good news for that chapter is right now with COVID, there's never been a better time to systemize than right now Mm. because you can blame it on COVID. The reason we're having to change and introduce all of this is because you might get sick and you need to be out Mm. and someone's going to have to step in or you might need to work from home. So we need to re-engineer the business so that it just runs smoothly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then uh, we move into step number six, which is scale. Now, scale is the set of systems that we start to move into beyond those first 10 to 15 that we identified in step number one. It's how do we then start to think about your business in terms of the different departments? You know, uh, what are the operational systems? What are the HR systems? What are the finance systems? And we've got a bit of a process for how we identify. Again, it's just applying the 80-20 to each of the different departments. And then the final stage And I mean, this is really just uh, to try and let everybody know the the appropriate order here. The final one is optimization. Because a lot of business owners, they'll try and optimize up front. But again, the whole premise of systemology, you can't really optimize until you've got a baseline. So 
Systemology is capture what you're currently doing, not what you would like to be doing. Set a baseline, get a dashboard, look at some numbers, run it for a little while. Then you use that as a way to identify well, what is the next thing I need to fix? Uh, you know, patient wait times is a problem and getting people booked in. Okay, well, what system are we following to make sure that that happens? Are there changes that we can make or, you know, referrals? Maybe we send over to other specialists to lighten our load or we do have to get an extra doctor or whatever it might be. Um, the time to start thinking about that is once you've got, you know, a minimum set of systems in place. And they're, they're the seven stages. It's define, assign, extract, uh, integrate, um, oh, actually, uh, organize. organize. Yes, there we go. Um, uh, organize, integrate, scale. And then the last one is optimize. Yeah, yeah. We, um, one of the, the best learnings for us was that we all of a sudden got definition of who does what when sits yeah. in Asana in our case. How you do it sits somewhere else. We had yeah. we had the how you do the thing sitting in the system. And so we yeah. had these this big bulkiness. Yes. It's just hard work to even kind of get to the bottom of who's doing the what what when really, that was a game changer for us yeah and, and i still see it today like a, a topic that comes up a bit because there are some newer platforms that do a better job but even to this day i still feel splitting it out it, it's quite helpful for a number of reasons one as you grow bigger and bigger different departments might be using different software so if you have all of your knowledge in one place, it makes it much easier to, you know, one day you might be using Asana and then you might go, oh, no, we need to yep. rebuild and we're going to use ClickUp. It Click becomes up. Yep. so much easier to um, have the knowledge stored separately. It also makes yep. it really easy when it comes time to sell your business because yeah. one of the huge assets that you'll talk about is you point to, well, here's all of my systems and processes. Oftentimes, a lot of people who are acquiring and buying businesses, they might be mushing it into their own software platforms and things like that. So I find it helps safeguard you further down the track and it also keeps it very simple. It's almost like for a team member, oh, I need to know how to do this task. Where do I go? And sometimes experienced team members they might not need the how-to information every time because they've followed the system the last 20 times, they've embedded it in them, and now all they need to know is who is doing what by when, which is handled by your project management platform, and the link is there if they want to go yep. have a look at it, yeah. but we don't put unnecessary... Don't have to rebuild the house. Yeah, every single time. Mm. So that's, yeah, mm. that's definitely um, a biggie. And the more that we've done this, like there's... You know, it's upon reflection and working with some of the clients, like one of the other things that I've really picked up is when you go through the systemology process and you get to scale and then you go through each of the different departments and you identify the 80-20 and then at the end of this, each department really will end up having a set of, you know, maybe anywhere from eight to 15 systems that are core and central that hold that department together. So let's say HR might have, you know, recruitment and onboarding and maybe there's offboarding and maybe there's performance management and you pick out what those are and different systems you, you 
um, they become the starting point for every new team member that joins that department. So maybe you've got your operations department and you picked out the eight to 10 systems and one of them might be handling the incoming patient inquiry. Every, every new team member that comes on board, they're the systems that they learn first. Like within the first three months of them starting, they learn the core systems and they say, you know, the system, we, we, we capture what's called the most probable path, which basically says if someone is a vanilla version of our client or our prospect, they'll go through this journey. Mm-hmm. Every time there is an exception to that, you might elevate it to your supervisor. So that way, inexperienced new team members can feel really productive really quickly and they learn the ropes. And then when they're not quite sure and they come across something that falls outside of the system, they handball it to the more senior team member mm-hmm. and then a decision can be made. Like obviously at that point, the junior person can be trained by the senior person and whether or not any additional inclusions need to be added to a system. But that whole process... And it comes back to this idea Michael Gerber, the author of the EMIS, shared with me early on in the work that we did together was um, see your business as a school. That's really what it is. It is a you're taking your students are your staff and you're taking these, you know, unrefined students who are just getting started out. And how do we make them as productive and valuable to the business in the shortest possible time? We have to teach them core functions and that's really and tasks. That's really what business systems is all about. Yeah. It's such a good reminder about not creating systems for the sake of creating systems in the hope that someone will use them or it will add value or commercial value to yeah. your business, blah, blah. But that that just that that path of least resistance, what is the most functional way we can systemize the business that's going to support the whole team on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. Definitely a big difference with systemology and some of the other methodologies that are out there. Like you look at things like ISO certification and people go through this process of systemizing so that they can tick a little box to say I'm ISO certified. But usually what happens is they create these systems that no one ever looks at until next year the auditor's coming around again and we need to tell them that we've reviewed it. And they'll go in and they'll go, oh, yes, tick, 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 tick. Okay, yep, we've reviewed it now. And the purpose of creating the systems in that instance oftentimes is just to get ISO certified, not to improve the the team's ability to to deliver results and and systemology is really focused on functional systems that team members will use and trying to you know strip away a lot of that that fat stuff yeah, yeah. and that's that's a big part of what what we do for systemology oh one day we may need wine. I'll um, have a chat with you about the uh, registration process for NDIS. Uh, yeah, I roll. Yes. That's right. So yeah. um, many of our clients are engaged in that process and there's a whole cohort of them kind of looking at all of that stuff literally in the next six weeks. So yeah. and it'll clients. make you go pale when you yeah, <laughs> hear all of that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> systemology is sitting there helping businesses get through this stuff, but yeah. There, yeah, some of the Definitely edges around some of that is um, questionable. A lot of red tape. And I think part of it also is the difference between big organisations that um, don't need to, you know, they've got more 
uh, Oof, fat there power, and, yeah. and they've got got more capacity and mm. team members and bigger budgets and you know the work that we work with is typically teams you know less than 50 so we're talking smaller businesses where the margin for error is much thinner you can't make mistakes or have waste we can't go well let's create a system for how we take out the trash because we need a system for everything how about mm. hire a good team member and you ask them to take out the trash? We yeah. don't, we don't yeah. need to create a system for that. And it, it is really about identifying what moves mm. the needle and not just documentation for documentation's sake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to um, have a quick chat about email. <laughs> I know it won't be quick. And then I want to um, make it really, really clear and easy for how people listening can kind of get started with yeah. with working with you and your your methodology but first up what is it about email and managing tasks <laughs> i'm it's, with you on this but yeah. we're not going to disagree but this is confronting stuff i reckon email is horrible for <laughs> assigning tasks and there's a few reasons um it's the same with when you know you hop on a zoom meeting and you have a great call with some team members and then you come up with all of these brilliant ideas and then we say okay Jenny you're going to do that Sally you're going to do that all right Jim you're going to work on that and that's it we have a little bit of a discussion and we feel like we came to a consensus I kind of feel like I gave that job to Jim surely everybody understands what they've got to do that's right and then we might forget about it until three months later and someone says oh Jim, did you end up following up that client and creating that thing that we said you were going to create? And Jim goes, oh, I forgot about it. Oh, that's right. When did we do that? Oh, we talked about that in a meeting. email? Was I CC'd on that? That's correct. (laughs) And there's no accountability. And it's what you want to try and do. It's the same when in meetings. It's the same with email. We need very clear who is doing what by when, Mm. particularly as a business owner. The business owner needs to have the visibility to know that his team is or her team is strong enough that the business owner can lob a task to a team member and just go, that's out of my brain now. I don't have to think about that because Sally's going to take care of that. Sally's an A player and Mm -hmm. that's, you know, done and dusted. And the way to do that is to create a way you need to capture and think about Um, how tasks are captured, how they're assigned and when they're due or when they come up for review. The the only way that I really know how to do that is with, this is what they're designed for, is a project management platform. And I I know you mentioned Asana and and we mentioned ClickUp briefly and then there's Podio and Teamwork PM. Like There's hundreds of them and there's ones that are even specifically designed for allied health. So it doesn't matter which platform you use, as long as you have a platform where you can clearly identify who is doing what by when and and really move all of that discussion out of your email. Email is really best as a communication tool with people outside of your organization. Internally, it actually does a really poor job yeah. and, and you'd be infinitely better off getting yourself some sort of software or a way to manage it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, it's very, very liberating to know that all of that communication is captured and linear and absolutely seen and heard and responded to everybody in, out of email. You know, no one wants to be CC'd on stuff 
and just part of these huge threads and just using, just having the the tension of hoping the search bar finds what you want, what you're looking for. That is not fun. That is not fun. Definitely. Certain tools are designed for different tasks. Um, Mm. And similarly, when we think about um, storing of systems, it's another reason at some point you will also graduate to a platform that is designed specifically for storing systems because certain tools are are designed for different things and email is not designed for task management. So so don't try and shoehorn email into that task because it'll do a real poor job at it. Yeah. Yeah. So run us through how people who are listening to this can kind of take the next steps and mm-hmm. and work through uh, the supports that you uh, that you offer. Best thing to do. I mean, if you're listening to this, you're probably an audio person. So you can head over to Audible and just do a quick search for systemology on there, or you can go to Amazon. The book really is the best place to start. I wanted to make sure the book is useful and complete. It'll explain the methodology and exactly the seven stages that we went through today. And from there, there are plenty of our clients that just run with that and get incredible results. And and we get loads of different stories. I mean, you'll see all of the Amazon reviews and things like that and speak to that. Um, And then if if you do want to go further, we do have some other supports, whether you want to do an online program or a group program or Uh, We actually certify people in systemology. We call them systemologists and they work with business owners. I know we've got um, some of our clients are are working with your clients, Mm, Kathy, uh, and and a systemologist will meet with the business owner and the team members and they'll help with the extraction and the documentation just to start the ball rolling on this. But the book is is definitely the best way to start. So systemology, um, if you search that on on, uh, Amazon or you can head to systemology.com. Uh, that's our website and that will uh, similarly like there's just links across to the Amazon book and we've got some other resources a YouTube channel and a couple of bits and pieces that can help move you down this process yeah we'll provide links to all of those good places in the in the show notes kudos for the very generous and high quality free resources you offer oh thank you yes I want to um I really like, and it's the purpose of this uh, podcast. As people are listening, my, my whole goal here is to just ignite a fire in the business owner around business systems and get them to fall in love with the result that the business systems deliver, not the creation of the, the system. So, all yeah. the free resources I put on the website, it's to try and light that fire in the business owner to go, I can do this. Like this, this is achievable for me. And that's, um, yeah, I, I, sometimes the best way to do that is, you know, different people learn different ways. It might be a, a PDF or an audio or a video. We try and, yeah, be as helpful as we can. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time today to kind of throw some extra light on uh, the value of systems and how to, how to do it. Is there any last little gem you'd like to, to drop on in? just the main thing that you can do it like mm. even if you don't think you're a systems person i you can still own a systems driven business and the fact is all successful businesses have a foundation of solid systems and especially in the allied health space yeah. like you you there are certain boxes that you need to tick there are certain you know t's that you need to cross and mm. i's that you need to dot and just for your own safety and i almost feel like business systems 
when you employ them and, and you get them working, they're like a business insurance. You're actually reducing the chance of errors going wrong in your business, which in the allied health space is critical. You need to reduce errors as much as you can because errors can cost lives and cause damage. So I just think it's something that uh, yeah, it, it, hopefully we kind of got you excited enough to look into this a little bit more. Love it. I'm sure we uh, we have. Thank you so much for your time, David. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks for having us, Kathy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For the show notes and other resources, our webinar replays, they're all available over on naker.com.au. And if you're loving what you're listening to, please subscribe. We don't want you to miss out on a single thing. And if you want others to get the same benefit that you've had from listening into these episodes, please share this episode and any of the others forward to any of your other allied health business colleagues. And we are totally here for you. Don't forget for a moment that you can jump on in and book that power call and uh, we can see how we can help you get the best of business done. Looking forward to seeing you there.